In association with the Omniverse Comics Guide, this is the Cave of Solitude, your pop culture and comic book podcast coming to you from all over the world. I'm your host, Eric Anthony, and this is episode 312. Yeah, if you... <laughs> What's that? I just already self-conscious. <laughs> Don't worry, Mr. Molyneux. We do this all the time. We're back. Um, we were just talking before I press record. Uh, omnibus... No, sorry. Compendium versus having things collected in multiple hardcovers. Because you said the Invincible is coming out. Uh, Invincible... What is it? What is it? Universe? Invincible Universe Compendium is out like June or July? next year i think it is did the um, starman compendium come out yet no that's this month or next month i think i, I think it's end of this month or or next month okay i keep my eye out for that yeah what Maybe do you prefer do you, pre- do you prefer compendiums if you had your choice of like a nice soft cover binding kind of phone book over an omnibus i would to a point it's funny i still get those questions about people going is that looks like it's going to be really uncomfortable to read it's like well it's not you just put the book on a cushion you sit in a nice comfy chair and it's all golden man it's great yeah it's like having a weighted but, blanket on you yeah it's a warm feeling it's like pissing yourself so, <laughs> basically I, i'm happy with them i like a chunkier compared you feel like you're getting more and you are kind of because they end up being cheaper most of the time True. A compendium. True. You know, because they're like a decent price. You get omnibus level comics, omnibus amount of comics, but in a paperback. And right. it ends up being a lot cheaper. So it's not the oversized mm-hmm. size, but it's, it's good. It's good. I like them too. Doing... Sorry, go on. No, I like them as well for the same reasons that you get a, a good bang for your buck and you've, you've got so much of the series there in a very convenient way. Like it, it is chunky and heavy, but you know you're getting a full story with a compendium. Yeah. And, and, and it, the, the value, the dollar value is the number one reason. Yeah, no, totally. I mean, the thing is that as well, like it can be hard to get the separate volumes that they've done. I think they're going to be quite hard to get now because they're going to make a film of Irredeemable, I think it is, uh, the Mark Wade series from Boom. It's okay. like a Superman. Yeah. Superman goes evil. Another one of those stories. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but there's the other spin-off as well, which is something like, there's Irredeemable and what? Irre- Incorruptible? Incorruptible. Yes, that was it. Thank you. But then you can get both in a full, complete compendium. Why, why wouldn't you? Because you, you're getting the whole thing. Like It's great. But DC seems to be doing it a lot more as well. So they're like next year, they're, they're releasing, for Alan Moore fans, wherever you might be, um, Top 10 is coming out in compendium format. Um, Tom Strong is coming out compendium. They were due for release this year and they just disappeared. But they are apparently coming out next year. So I think that might be their answer to doing the Omni stuff because I know they haven't finished a lot of their Omnis. Yeah. Like Justice it... League International was never finished. Volume 3 never came out. Yeah. Stuff like why. that has happened a lot. I wonder if they're gonna, when they're going to finally release a Swamp Thing omnibus. From Alan Moore. Yeah, that seems like a weird. It's it. I don't understand why it's it's, it's not constantly in print, because it's it's one. The writer is one of those writers that people will always gravitate yeah, towards. Yeah, 
right? Mm-hmm. He's just got his fan base. And then it's a celebrated run. So to have it in the absolutes, which are beautiful, and then you got the trades you could buy, but that's just something you feel people would want to have altogether. In a yeah, I don't know. Are they? Would, would you that want be like two books? I, I don't think so. I think you could put mm-hmm. it in one. How many absolutes did they do? Three. Three. Was it like three? If it was like three hundred pages, that yeah, they could probably do it in one. They probably wouldn't. They probably do it over two because they make more money. Yeah, I think. Maybe. But I think you could also uh, charge top dollar for that. And people would, if you give it like that mosque sort of feel on the cover and, you know, make it a, a presentation of a book, I, people will buy that. Have you read it? Never. Run. No? I've only read Swamp Thing from the New 52, which I actually really enjoyed. Oh, but I have, sorry. again, nothing to compare Swamp Thing to anything else. I've, I've never read. I've only read him like in features. Yeah. Like he shows up. But the Alan Moore yeah. stuff, don't know it. I, I tried it. I got quite far through, but I just found I found his writing. I thought it was he was writing it for laughs, and it turns out he wasn't. <laughs> so I thought it was really funny, just like pseudo poetic yeah. stuff. And I thought, like, okay, Alan, you're having a bit of a joke. And then like, oh, you're not. Oh. <laughs> Oops. Um, okay, fair enough. So it wasn't for me. I much preferred the new 52 stuff and there are probably people going no how dare you you bastard how can you say anything about Alan Moore that's not he's awesome but you know I don't really like Alan Moore um, but I, I thought it was a lot stronger I mean the thing is like time should allow for better material you know especially if it's if it's inspired by the stuff Moore did and grows on that no pun intended for Swamp Thing but um, you know you learn from that stuff we should be making better comics since then. And I think New 52, Swamp Thing did that. It, it paid tribute to that period and the stuff that he introduced in that time. And then it modernized it and yeah. did it really, and added new ideas. And that's how it, that's how it should be. So I thought it was brilliant. The New 52 era. It's funny. The, uh, whenever you, people bring that, say the New 52 time for some, it was like horrible comics or it's like looked at with, uh, kind of the way people look at Heroes Reborn. Yeah. Right? It is, isn't it? They kind of make reference, but it, looking back and seeing the things that they're putting out there in, in collected format, it's there's a lot of good stuff there. There is. There really is. I'm really underrated. It's really stuff. underrated. Uh, really underrated. I'm... And and I think that stuff that people kind of um, dismissed on a second look like for me the Grant Morrison Superman for example is actually quite good in my That's opinion oh god that we talked about the crypto issue before haven't we I don't know if we've done it on yeah the, on on air as it were but I think we did I love that comic yeah yeah it was, it was there's a lot of good moments in it and big ideas and it was mm. um, I realized it was I, I think it was said at the time but I didn't pay attention perhaps that it was his sort of treatment of Superman if if all-Star Superman was his Dark Knight Returns, then this would be his year one. Oh, right. He was saying, he was trying to say, like, the, the Superman I wrote in All-Star Superman, this is his origin story. Ah. Because it's funny as well, like, have you read um, DC One Million? No. There's references to the stuff that happens in All-Star Superman. It links back to that as well. Wow, that's interesting. I, I think the, I 
fairly sure he's in. It's almost like it's implied that All Star Superman happens before DC One Million, and then you find out what happened to him. If you read One Million after All Star, you'll find out what happened to Superman. Interesting. Yeah, Alan Moore is just—he's got too many ideas. Was it um, Grant Morrison? Sorry, Grant Morrison. Thank you. I was gonna, actually going to ask you know why? Because I'm doing a take it or this is a take it or leave it episode. And I was thinking of putting on Alan Moore or Grant Morrison in the take it or leave it, but I think I asked you that before, and I know the answer to it. You know the answer. Yeah, you know the answer. It's Alan Moore. I love him. What What was it? And I, you've answered it this before, but I guess I'll ask now in case people are listening for the first time. But what is it particularly about Alan Moore that just doesn't impress you? Because um, he's got, sorry, to, before you begin, he's got that reverence. Not just a fan base, but it's like, oh, Alan Moore said it. I, th- I think that's part of the problem. It's almost like he can do no wrong, but actually he's, um, I think he can. I mean, he's even said himself about his own work. Like, if, if Watchmen is the best comic ever written, then it's a, a medium that's in trouble. Because it, how is nothing better than something that came out in 1986? And there has been a lot of better stuff. I just don't think it's as good. It's one of those things, I think, where like people tell you how good something is, categorically. There's no debate to be had here. Star Wars, the Star Wars trilogy is the, great, is the greatest trilogy of all time, period. There is no discussion to be had here. Good night, everybody. It's that kind of attitude. And um, like I've read it subjectively, and I've, I've read Watchmen three times, and... It hasn't helped. <laughs> um, but the first issue, I think, is great. It's the other 11. I just can't stand that. I just don't I don't like the writing style. I don't think it's as clever as people make it out to be. It's probably smarter than the stuff that came out at the time. But there's, be- there's better stuff since. It's that whole idea that you have to like it. And if you don't like it, you're wrong. I'm not keen on. And if I did read it and like it, I would still have that same opinion in terms of you shouldn't have to like something just because people told you that. But I'd be honest about liking it. You know, I've given it a go open-mindedly three times. I've done the same with Sandman. I know that's not Alan Moore, but it's some things just don't gel with you. They, they're not not everything's going to gel with everybody. But I think like between that and Swamp Thing as well, I like League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. I really liked it. That was great. Um, here's Captain Britain was is really really underrated it's not the best written thing ever but i actually think his writing's better on that series than pretty much anything else he's written i think that's probably for me his career highlight um what was a something something came to my mind in regards to things he's did you like prometheus um the prometheus the prometheus the female god yes yeah, prometheus yes no <laughs> I, I made it for a few issues and just thought it was really pretentious. V for Vendetta? Never tried it. From Hell, I've never tried I nearly bought From Hell recently because it was on sale. I thought, I've never actually read it. I'll give it a go. But um, there was other stuff I wanted more. <laughs> no, that's fair. I so, get it. Yeah. Whereas Grant Morrison, I know Grant Morrison has his pretentious moments as well. There are sometimes he'll he'll write something and you think, I clearly, this this book should have come with a packet of pills yeah so that i can actually understand the end yeah but there are other times when you read it and you just go damn you clever bastards like some of this is really smart 
Um, so it, he, they both vary. No one's like, no one's infallible. Um, I think just for me, on average, uh, Grant Morrison comes out on top just because I prefer more Grant Morrison stories. Yeah, I find Not that. All, but more. I have to. I have to. I find that I have to read um, Grant Morrison stuff in the right frame of mind or the right headspace. Like I want to go into that sort of artistic meta verse, if you will. Yeah. Knowing that it's going to be trippy, like I want—that's what I'm looking for. I want something psychedelic and making me, you know, this, I guess Philip K. Dick. It's he's kind of like the Philip K. Dick of. Yeah, he's he's comics. very clearly very inspired by Philip K. Dick. I, th- I think some of the the Dick stuff <laughs> comes out. <laughs> the Dick comes out in Invisible. <laughs> gets his Dick out in Invisibles a lot. Yeah. Invisibles? Yes. He gets um, his fill. Lot. His film <laughs> oh, he gets his film when he gets his dick out. So yeah, you can see a lot of his dick in that. And then and but then you take something like We Three, which is just three cyborg animals, a rabbit, a cat, and a dog, on the run from the people that turn them into weapons. And it's just a really sweet three issue story. And it's really smartly drawn by um Frank Quitely. So there's a great bit in it where they he tells the story with um cctv footage and like the whole page is made up of about um probably about almost sorry hang on a minute maths like about 70 80 panels or something like that it's it's a lot of panels it probably isn't that many i'm trying to think off the top of my head it's a lot of little tiny panels and it shows you it tells you multiple stories just following those things in just a little moment of time and he drew them all out you know what each story tells and then he mixed up the order like the way he put it together was, was really clever so between the two of them they're a great team and like together on on new x-men which was a hell of a lot of fun probably the best still for me the best x-men series i think i've ever read possibly really yeah that's high yeah. praise well and i know a lot of people hold it in high regard and then there's some people who just say like that's not my, that's not my x-men it's well, one the of those end of polarizing end of it's tough a tough read there's the um when they go into the world i can't remember what that storyline's called return to weapon plus i think um that's not a great so it's confusing it's very very confusing that story because it's all about like the way time moves differently and stuff and i'm going like i feel like i need to make notes and then the the final story is a time travel one as well and apparently there's like a there's a lot of callbacks in it so if your memory's not that good and mine isn't um you probably missed quite a lot and there are bits when they had and it was he was really the eagle cord cordy did some art for it but i think he was called in the very very last minute um so he had to rush it and then it kind of ruined his career um as an artist in the states because he's a european artist mm. because people went oh he was like, oh, those terrible x-men issues mm. like i had to do them in about two days which was insane that he even could Okay. So he got a really bad rap for that, but it wasn't fair. I've seen some of his other stuff, and actually, I quite liked it. But yeah, um, it's a shame. But I mean, it, it's not all high notes. But they did undo a lot of it almost immediately. Yeah. What did you think of the? Uh, I don't know if I've ever asked you this. The um, Joss Whedon, Astonishing X Men, John Cassidy. It's it's good. I don't think it's as good as Morrison. Um, some bits of it I thought were just okay some bits are really really just good fun but it's not like it's really accessible yes 
which I think is a reliable, accessible X-Men story yeah. that still feels like this consequence, um, it works. And it's it's self-contained. Yes. it's it's That's true. I would say it's... Uh, I don't know if we recommended that. Did we ever do a an omnibus recommendation? Well, I don't know. We've we've Maybe done we most. Yeah, yeah, we should. Just because it 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 is one of those series where, in my head, if I were to recommend people, like you want to get started, you already like it, and you want to start somewhere that is a good entry point. That that one is. Yeah, it's a really good entry point. It really explains. It sets up. It's almost like it's setting up the world again it's a slightly different status quo explains it really nicely introduces a new villain at the beginning um and actually i think it's predominantly new villains for the most part it doesn't reference the it it alludes to the past but it doesn't hold you ransom to the past you know so if you don't know your history still you get it it's true it it, it was he might be a, a dick but and unpopular now, but it's still a, a worthwhile recommendation. So it's a good call. Yeah, no, I, I, I think so. It was one of those, um, om- one of those first omnibuses that I said when that comes out, I should own that on my shelf, just because it's so self-contained. It's John Cassidy, just the artwork itself. Mm-hmm. To just see some people draw twenty-five issues of a classic team or characters. <coughs> Pardon me. It's it's nice to have stuff like that, just for the artwork. Yeah, it's funny as well because I think while I'm obviously continuity obsessed um, and I like to read things in order, it seems like a lot of people don't really care about about that, and that's cool because actually it's something you can just pick up and go. Does this? Is, when does this? I don't really care when this was set. You don't need to know. You know, yeah. you really don't need. There's nothing there that's going to make you go. You need to read before you read that. You need to read these three books, and actually, it continues in this bit as well. Like, obviously, it does influence bits that happen later. But if you don't want to read them, it, they're referenced in a way that makes you want to look into it, but you don't need it. And I, no. but the the cool thing even about the the ten years plus that Claremont wrote the book, if you jump in to X Men middle of that run, whenever they reference something, you'll get the information you'll need at least. Because uh-huh. back then, back then you wouldn't have been able to catch up on it easily no. like we can now. No. So there was you, no internet either to, to no. Google. <laughs> so as a reader, you also you recognize almost like because I read the X Men back catalog in scattered order. Sometimes I'd read chunks, like twenty issues in a row. But then yeah. there was an event like Executioner Song or this the Mass- Mutant Massacre. You jump back and forth to how the team looks, who's drawing it, yada yada yada, right? But if you look at the cover of, you know, X-Men number one with Jim Lee and Claremont there, you know, yeah. the big one, and you see who's on the team, you kind of know what happens that everyone lives or this person's <laughs> not there. You, you, you kind of know, right? So yeah. you can jump in and out during those eras, I feel. Yeah, with, but with certain more easily. I think, I think when it got to around the onslaught period, it was a little trickier. Yeah. Because every book you had to read everybody else's book you had to read eight well eight monthly titles plus miniseries plus x-men unlimited it got tricky yeah i can't imagine that those are the type of things that i'm so grateful that as a person who enjoys reading comics that we're at a place where you can get things in bound volumes 
yeah. whether they're paperbacks or not because those were always the things that would make me kind of quit collecting comics was that I, I gotta buy that book yeah and I gotta start that book at issue 19 like mm-hmm. and I'll only own four of them like I don't like this that's the thing is that the equivalent now um, and they got a little bit better at it but it's like if okay so this book relates to this other series it's Black Panther you gotta get Black Panther Volume 5 like, I really don't want a Volume 5 on my shelf no I know. I'm too anal. It, I can't do it. And they know, but that's that's. I'll go by the whole run. Yeah, it's true. Hey, it looks it. It's so weird. We talk about this all the time. How weird it is to be so anal about the number on the book. <sighs> okay. Moving on to the this or that. Did, take it or leave did, it. Did you have a preference? Would you Would you go Morrison then? Oh, pro. I'm real split down the middle, but I would say that it would probably be Morrison just because he's written so much of the universe that you can't avoid it. So I, I like all-star Superman and I like, I don't mind his Batman. Some people don't love his Batman. Some people hate it. I, I enjoy it. Parts of it. I liked his, um, Dick Grayson and Damien team up when he did Batman and Robin with Frank quietly for a little bit. Oh, I still read that either. That was that was good. Um, Seven Soldiers. Haven't read that, but there was some oh Animal Man. Like there's all throughout the the DC universe, you're gonna get different parts that Morrison has worked on in different eras. Justice League. He was on Fifty Two as well. Fifty Two, right? So I feel that. With Alan Moore, it were these very special, I don't know if the, if this is the proper term, but like highfalutin books where it's like, here's <laughs> V for Vendetta and The Watchmen and The League of Extraordinary. Everything was just his babies. Whereas Grant, the, go ahead. Sorry, that's the weird thing with a lot of his stuff is that when you actually look at it, a lot of the time they aren't his characters. Yeah. You know, that. so for all the praise he gets for creating all these amazing things, they're actually... In, not very much there is his original character. Watchmen were originally good. They're all the Charlton characters. They were going to use the Charlton Comics characters, Blue Beetle. Um, the question, they were going to be, it wasn't going to be Rorschach. It was going to be the question in Watchmen. Yeah. So then he just had to change them for the, because DC wanted to do their thing. Right. So he didn't create those characters. He didn't create Captain Britain. He didn't create... Oh, Miracle he, Man. That was the one I was going to ask you. Miracle you Man. That was... Uh, I've never read it. I'm okay. not interested. But I, I, I think... Um, I can't remember who created Miracle Man, but it wasn't him. You're right. Swamp he Thing he didn't on. create. He didn't create Swamp Thing. Yeah. And there's so these things where... he talks a lot where... about people ripping off his... Yeah. Yeah, you're his, right. His ideas. But actually, none of the ideas were his in the first place. Yeah, I think, I think there's this sort of preciousness, especially when you talk about Watchmen... And people are like, I can't believe they're touching it. That They don't have Alan Moore's permission. He's not honoring it. And it's kind of like... He gave his permission. But he says he didn't give his permission. That's yeah. the, there's, a lot of, there's a lot of bullshit that comes from Alan Moore. And it, but, it, but at the same time, it's like... It's not a creator-owned book. No. He, he was hired to write this book. And it just became so synonymous with the person that you feel that you should never do anything else with it. But it's like... Why not? 
You don't have to read it. It's from DC. It's the whole universe of characters that other people created. Like, yeah. And I remember with the Doomsday Clock, it was sort of so audacious. Like, how could you, how could you allow this? And Mm -hmm. it's like, they're characters. They can do what they want. Why not? Right? I don't think there should be a rule. I mean, like, the thing is, if you don't want to read it, don't read it. No one's forcing anyone. Yeah. I agree. I agree. Uh, Yeah, I'd probably pick Morrison. But I do like the things of Alan Moore that I have read. I got to give League of Extraordinary Gentlemen a second chance. That was the one that I kind of quit on because I was like, I don't know if I like this. But I'm sure I'll like it now. Maybe. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to do character choices. Choosing between characters. So... Would you rather read The Punisher or Deathstroke? Just in general? In general. If you have um, to choose. I would choose... I know it's a really unpopular thing to say at the moment, but I would rather choose The Punisher. I've got a real soft spot for their old school Punisher stories. Yeah. Um, there's... One of my favorite moments in comics as a whole, and it's probably not even that great, but it, it really stuck with me as a kid. And I can't remember if it was like issue eight or nine or maybe 10 of the the first Punisher ongoing series. So it was the series after his miniseries. I'm going to see how many times I can say series in one sentence. Huh. <laughs> um, and it's just, he was trying to find the Wall Street slasher, this killer on, on Wall Street. He's um, cutting up uh, homeless people. And he finds this group and they're picking on this homeless guy, these three guys. And um, he basically asks them if they're the slasher. And it's the way that he does it. And it's only about two or three pages. And it's just, it really shows his character and just how unemotional he can be. Um, and it's nasty. It's really nasty. <laughs> and I just, I loved it. I loved it. Like, cause to him, it's like, just means to an end. It doesn't matter. I'm going to get the job done. Um, and it, it what they can what they actually say to him is irrelevant because he's his intentions are clear from the beginning and they should be scared i like how ridiculously impossibly hard to kill he is like he's just some guy with guns in the marvel universe he should be dead by now and he has been dead a few times as well but let's not go into that but i, I find there's a lot of um quite fun stories like but like, i think there's a there's a nice chunk initially from like the mid 80s when he starts to get his own series to probably the early 90s but not much but it gets a bit messy after that i think and then if you jump ahead to the frank uh welcome back frank story from garth ennis and steve dillon that's a completely different take and it's more tongue-in-cheek and it's he's got people emulating him which was the story they did before in in suicide run but they didn't do it very well because suicide run oh, i'm just gonna waffle on now sorry that's okay suicide run was based on Raid of the Superman. So it was a Punisher parody of Raid of the Superman, but it's not good. It's uh, not good. They did a version of it later with Welcome Back Frank, which after he died, become an angel with heaven based powers, guns. Um, uh, Garth Ennis brought him back and he basically, in the first page, he goes, Yeah, I was an angel for a bit, but uh, I've got rid of that. It's like it's so throwaway. Like the way whatever he says is so like, Yeah. <laughs> that was a thing but now it isn't and then it just takes him back to basics and it's but it's very very tongue-in-cheek um and he's got that kind of disgusted looking face all the way through it 
Yeah. And he seems characterless. But so he base he gets a good support cast around him. Like he's in a an apartment building with these three other people who are all very bizarre characters. Um and he's after this Marnucci who's a, a gang boss. And you'll get bits in there, like he he leads them into a zoo and he because he runs out of ammo, he turns the zoo he uses the zoo against the, the gangsters that are chasing him and stuff like that. It's it's just very, very tongue in cheek, very funny. There are some bits with, with the ongoing series that followed that were a bit too stupid. Um like he ran over Wolverine with a steamroller and stuff like that. Like, oh, this is a bit silly. But um there are chunks of really, really good punisher stuff and I I like that it's a, either you'll get a guy with guns facing real world criminals yeah. and it feels like that's the kind of part of me is like going that's the kind of justice I wish we had <laughs> um, you know it's that fancy that, that revenge fantasy kind of thing and then some of it's just him dealing with superpowered people and he's like rather than web them up I'm just going to shoot you in the head <laughs> like why aren't the others why do you keep coming out at the vault and going back out into the world and causing grief for people I'm just going to shoot you in the head so there's something weirdly when it's done well. There's something really gratifying about it. It's just quite. A, it's a fun read in a very dark way, or in quite a tongue-in-cheek, black humor kind of way. Deathstroke, I must admit, I haven't read as much, but I think the way that they've kind of portrayed him as a paedophile is a bit uncomfortable. Um, I do want to read more, not because he's a paedophile. Um, <laughs> I just feel like that that kind of late late eighties was it early nineties. It's quite a lengthy run, I think, his his first ongoing series. Uh, I, yeah, I, I think that. so. If they compendium that, I would, yeah. Yeah, I didn't, wa- I didn't want to get those sort of uh, old school trades of Deathstroke. I'm not sure well, why, but... Super thins. No, they were, they were like, pretty thick as far... They were like, um, kind of like the Teen Titan ones. Sort of the same sort of size. About Twelve issues or something like that. Yeah, you get about ten issues per per trade. But I was just like, how invested will I be in in this era of Deathstroke? I don't know. Yeah. But you're right. If they put it in a compendium, I would probably be like, whoa, doesn't that <laughs> book look like it needs? It belongs on my shelf. Stupid. Yeah, it's so. It weird. might be stupid, but it works. So it does. It does work. That would be one I would try it's probably that i don't know enough about him i think i've generally only dealt with deathstroke as a almost like a guest star or villain right i bought the christopher priest run because i read the first storyline and really quite liked it and it appealed to me and i don't know where it's going and i love that i am so interested to see your how you like when you read that how you feel because i could see you either absolutely loving it or hating it like there's no, I just I don't feel that that'll get a three star. No. I feel like you'll either one give extreme it, or the other. Yeah, I think you'll either love it or hate it, and it'll definitely keep you keep you guessing. And then there is a point where it does take like an interesting turn, where it's like, okay, he's got his own, he's got his own team. Okay, and then there's a whole mini series with him and Batman. Oh yeah, it's good. But it's and, okay. and and it, it does you're with him a lot too, you know when you spend right. you spend time with the character and his family and it's like this is fifty issues this is a couple years worth of time yeah that, right was and, that that was rebirth right that was rebirth yeah that was it was it's a good series, but it's I I wouldn't ever recommend it to a new reader, I feel like right. you have to 
be a kind of like a seasoned comic book reader almost like it's almost like making somebody trying to think of a a show that everybody loves but it's not like if you if you haven't watched let's say crime related shows you may not appreciate the wire you may not appreciate okay. you know what you got to have yeah. somewhat of a you got to get what they're doing here kind of next level almost yeah like i think christopher priest writes comics in a way for people who have read comics before yeah it's kind of like tarantino that's the best way to put it it's like a tarantino film okay yeah listen to what they're talking about pay attention to when they said it like you got to pay attention that's what it is yeah i think he, he does reward you for that yes um (laughs) it's <laughs> like you say I think when a lot of excuse me a lot of new readers come in I'm just going to close my um, door keep going oh. keep going I think when a lot of new readers come in I think the way people read comics for the most part people I've lent comics to um, have generally kind of read them very very quickly because they just tend to read the word balloons so they tend not to read the images which I totally get because I've been guilty of that and I'm guilty of that when I'm a bit tired yes <laughs> I'm a bit tired. I'm just going to read the word, and I've missed everything that's been going on in the background. But um, I'm happy. I'm not the only one. Yeah, it happens, man. It's such an easy thing to do. Sometimes I read aloud just to stop myself from doing that. Right. So there's been I was like when I've read silent issues. Sometimes like, I've gone through. I'm like, I'm really tired, but I need to read this issue because I've got to include it in in the post I'm doing about this crossover or whatever. And I'm going, and then he walks into the shop. And then, oh, he picks up the coke. Oh, he's hiding behind the thing. <laughs> it's like I'm just reading to my child in my brain. Right, right. What are you doing, you weirdo? Yeah. Um, it's, his stuff is quite in-depth, so it's not going to be an easy read. Did you read the Tony S. Daniel death stroke series? No, I want to. Do I, you? Yeah. Um, I saw that the omnibus was around. It was like 20 issues, and I'm like, eh, maybe. But everything I read, it was... Pardon? It's only 20. Yeah, it's 20 issues. Um, It went out of print, so it's super hard to get. Some people said that they really enjoyed it. Other people were saying that it was just a slugfest, like big art, like a blockbuster. I'm like, you know what? If it was a good price, I'd give it a chance. Mm. Just to see. I'd probably try it now. Yeah, I would give it a chance. Just for the fun of it, because I do like the character. I like that... He's com- he's complicated, very complicated. Yeah. Although, would you would you do the same if they did a Liefeld one? Of Deathstroke, didn't he do a life uh, Liefeld? Rob Liefeld did a Deathstroke run, didn't he? Right at the start of the New Fifty Two. Yes, yes, he did. Yes. Would you be interested in that? Don't think so. No, me either. The beginning of the 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 Deathstroke in New Fifty Two. There's nothing about it that seemed appealing at all okay. even like just the the trade dress and the title of the book you know just sometimes like that doesn't look like a good era <laughs> <laughs> you do you judge a book by its cover that's the it's packaging man it, it does make a difference it really really does okay what was what would you would who would you choose between puncher and deathstroke <sighs> probably deathstroke because i know the character more but I, I'm also very curious about the Garth Ennis um, stuff that he did. Because he did, Mar- the was it Max? 
he did uh that's a good point and i never mentioned that but only because i've only read bits I've re- i ended up reading random storylines and that and it's a very different approach and it's very very real world but it's gets a lot of praise it's very 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 dark and it's, it's different continuity it's not yeah. six right right so i was always wondering like if i want to dip my toe which one do you invest in because i know that the one with him and steve dylan was one volume you get all of it that they did together in there and it is like yeah. you said very tongue-in-cheek sort of uh dark humor kind of ridiculous mm. but then the other one was like okay if you're gonna go down that route prepare yourself it's get yeah it gets serious right it's it's really gritty yeah like it's heavy topics yeah really really heavy topics yeah so it's, it's not a fun for, i mean from the bits i read it's not a fun read but it's interesting it's eye-opening and it's kind of nasty and sometimes like like that's when it's that whole thing of like why do you keep having stilt man come out of prison why do you just shoot him in the head this is like um human trafficking stuff and, right you know that kind of d- darkest much darker stories um so you do kind of feel like right they got their comeuppance i feel a bit better i didn't know this horror was happening in the world and now i'm glad someone who doesn't exist got shot yeah <laughs> you know it's interesting like not in the same way, but now that you you refer to these darker aspects of, of humans, the Longbow Hunter era of Green Arrow kind of is like, kind of is like yeah. that. It's, it's it's in its own universe in a way. Uh-huh. And it sounds like like it's very similar, actually. Yeah, and he's he's a uh, he's taking out people who have it coming. Yeah, like it gets to a point when he has to, when he does kill somebody. You're kind of like, well, yeah. <laughs> Rightly so, Mr. Arrow. You almost feel like, mm, it's, that's, being judged by 12 would not have been justice. <laughs> An arrow in the eye is yeah. what this person needed. Because it's just the whole, most horrific type of things imaginable. And you do realize that those these people exist. Yeah. It's frightening. Well, that's when you want. That's when Hollywood justice. Because that's the thing. It's Hollywood justice, isn't it? It's right. like every villain has to die. That's yeah. That's true. Hollywood justice. A good point. Okay. Maybe I'm going to be picking at a scab, but I'm going to ask you this question. <laughs> if you had to pick between Thor: Love and Thunder, or Thor: Blood and Thunder. <laughs> only watched Thor Love and Thunder last Friday oh yeah oh, I, I, I was expecting it to be bad and it was worse than my but my expectations for things to be low can be pretty low I've got quite a narky imagination it was still worse somehow um so I, I may not go into the full ins and outs of why what I, I mean it depends what if you want um I hated it so much. I didn't, <laughs> I didn't laugh once. Not once. I didn't even... Cause I, I watched, so I watched Doctor Doolittle, the Eddie Murphy film. And someone said, I know a film you'll really like. Doctor Doolittle, Eddie Murphy. I'm looking at the guy like, I can't believe... I can't believe you looking at me and you think I would... Okay, fine. I'll, I'll 
watch it out of politeness. And there was one bit where a dog says something, and I went, huh. that got more laughs <laughs> than Thor, Love and Thunder. Just that, huh. I did not laugh once. Not funny. The goats aren't funny. The They've wasted so many opportunities. Gore was a waste. Like, it's just so uncomfortable making the, the jokes, the, the jokes about her illness. It's just not... I know that like some people deal with things in that way. Mm, it wasn't... It was awful in every sense. And even even the, the bits at the end, after the credits, the, like the post and mid-credits scenes, I remember one of them. One of them was... Spoilers if you don't want to know. Hercules. And I kind of looked at him and went, okay. And what was the other one? <laughs> I don't even remember. Was it another screaming goat moment? Who knows? Those made me laugh. The screaming goats made me laugh. Did they? <laughs> the, it's Can just... I hang up on you? <laughs> you know what it was? I saw it in the theater. Um, and I was just... I was taking the wins that I could while I was watching it there. Because <laughs> also seeing it on the big screen, you see the spectacle of certain things. They look good. So that distracts you a little bit from the stupidity of a lot of what I did see. And I'm just like, they're ruining so many, like, okay, there's the joke, fine. But then you you took a serious moment and you threw a joke in there, it's completely off timing, like there's nothing yeah. about it that works. But I'm like, and yeah, my, my thing is, if you're going to think about don't this is not thor the story that this is based off of is wonderful in my opinion the jason aaron the jason aaron the god butcher story god butcher story is and, and the hold the on one is... second dave okay we're good um yes the god butcher story jason aaron in comparison to the film like if read that book because yeah. it is so much better oh it's way better uh, the, and Gore, there's nothing funny about, no. <laughs> about it. And there doesn't need to be anything funny about it. It's actually quite a quite a dark Thor story. It really um, is. As it should be. Like, it's called the God Butcher. Like, it's oh, hilarious. Um, Gore is a genuinely menacing threat. And he, he doesn't try and lure people away using their kids. Because that was that's sort of the point the character like he lost his family it's just it the film version makes no sense the film no. version makes no sense it was a parody it did not feel like it was ridiculous yeah i was i was excited to see um tooth nasher and i forget the other goat's name is it tooth grinder and tooth nasher is it is it, yeah. is it are they both tooth something i think so yeah so to see them and to know what a ridiculous sound they would make made me laugh. But I, it was, um, yeah, I could. I don't think I could bear to watch it a second time. No, I'd, I'd rather, I think I'd probably look forward to and laugh more at having pencils put into my eyes. <laughs> I wasn't sure where. <laughs> okay. Uh, moving on. Hopefully this is less painful. <laughs> I didn't actually answer your question. Sorry. Oh. L Blood and Thunder isn't the story that inspired the film. No, 
It just sounds. It's just they. That's where kind of they took the title, isn't it? Basically, but I'll, I'll keep it super short because not many people know what this is. But Blood and Thunder is basically a storyline where Thor goes mad, um, and he's hallucinating this female warrior who convinces him to start killing people and goes a bit crazy. And then um, the Silver Surfer, Beat Ray Bill, Sif, and Warlock, and the Infinity Watch have to take him down. And to do that, they actually even ally with Thanos. And you think like, okay, that sounds like it could be really interesting. It's not, but there are some highlights in it. Like you will get the, the biggest Thanos versus Odin fight you'll ever see. Um, there's art from Tom Rainey, I think. Angel Medina. Tom Grimberg does it does some stuff in it, does he? I can't remember. There's some there's some nice art in it sporadically. But overall, it's too long. It's not a great story. But I would take that over Love and Thunder. I agree. <laughs> I concur, Doctor. Okay. This might be an easy one. But it I was trying to think of the other's counterpart where it would be like a breakdown, a dark story, but a breakdown of a well known beloved character that okay. were both landmark works. So the Craven's Last Hunt or Born Again? Oh, you vicious bastard. Um, Both answers oh. seem obvious, right? But then you feel oh, like a jackass. Yeah, that's the hard bit. Yeah. I don't, I don't want to choose Born Again to lose Craven's Last Hunt. I love Craven's Last Hunt so much. It's excellent. And, and, and when I read it again... Is better, the, and the, and both of them have like that incredible writer artist team. Yeah. Oh, David Mazzucchelli, Mazzucchelli. Yeah. I love his stuff. There's not enough of it out there. No. And then you got um, Mike Zek. Yeah. Oh, dude, this is me. Um, <laughs> I'm um, happy okay. I got. That's, no, the, that's you, you have to change have positions. Some... You have to meditate on it. That's good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I do. I, I don't want to just have silence while I sit here in pain thinking about, okay, oh, God, this is so hard. <laughs> I thought for sure you would choose Daredevil. Well, I would, but, like, I don't want to not have Craven's Last Hunt. Mm. I'm weirdly, I never thought I would say this. I would probably choose Craven's Last Hunt. Why? I, overborn again. Right now, I think if you ask me in, in a couple of weeks, I might have a different answer. But <sighs> I don't know. <laughs> because I, I love Born Again. It's weird because I only found out from praising Born Again so much on Instagram that there are people that don't like it. But then that's the thing, isn't it? That's my whole point earlier. No one, not everyone has to like everything. There are some people that went, this is the point where Daredevil just lost it. Like, Really? Hmm. But it's awesome. <laughs> it's so good. And it reads really well even now. Um, I love it. It's great. I mean, it really breaks him down properly. I think that's the first time they've really, really break Matt Murdock in a storyline. Um, it's fantastic. I love the way I love the way they don't just break him down. They break down his relationships, the other people around him. He doesn't know who to trust. They even break down where he lives by literally blowing some of it up. It's awesome. It's a proper, it's like a really well thought out action film. 
you know, it's almost like a psychological drama that turns into an action film. It's like, yeah. it's crazy. It's very cinematic. Um, Craven's Last Hunt would be a TV serial for Spider-Man. I don't think you could do it justice in a in a kind of a, in a in a film. It's not the sort of thing that's it's not blockbustery enough, but it's it's got more depth. It's got it doesn't give Spider-Man that much screen time if, in those terms um, by comparison, but it does something. Lets him deal with something that he hasn't dealt with before and it's very much in his face and he feels vulnerable like he's i mean not to spoil it but it happens in part one he's defeated he's basically craven gets him um craven's such a weird character as well because like he's a guy um he basically he's tom Selleck dressed in a lion hmm. costume it's good it's a perfect casting <laughs> Why didn't I think they have cast him, haven't they? Isn't it the guy that played Quicksilver in Avengers? I think is going to play Craven in the upcoming film, apparently. So I hear. Okay. Bit weird. Okay, fine. I think it's his own film as well. Why? Yeah, that's right, whatever. Um, but yeah, it's he was kind of a joke, and I think that's the brilliant thing about it. It's it's so unexpected. He's just he was a joke villain he's just a guy that can take a couple of natural herbs and it and he just hunts animals apart from spider-man who he wants to, and he's also hunted like tigra before that and ah, i can't remember who else but it was mostly about spider-man and then he gets him and it's just such an unusually dark spider-man story and sometimes i think when spider-man stories go dark it can feel quite forced or it feels like they're trying to be Craven's last hunt because, mm-hmm. but you can't, you can't do Craven's last hunt. It's so unusual though. And like having vermin in it as well. So it's not even just about those. There's so many layers to it. And it's like, it's what I love about it the most as well is that he just got married to Mary Jane and she's kind of going, I know he's got a dangerous lifestyle, but he's made it this far and he's Spider-Man. It's fine. And then he, he's gone. A new husband is gone, and then she actually meets Craven, who doesn't even know who he's meeting at the time. You know, they cross paths, and it's like, oh, it's just such a moment. And you're going, this is heavy. You know, you know, he's going to come back, but that's not the point. Um, but it's just so well done. I, I would, I'm going to go with Craven's last hunt. Wow, upset. I love it. That was a great breakdown of both books as well yeah yeah fantastic because you really highlighted how well you know the the progression of what they do to the characters and you know even the way that it would be translated like it was very cool because oh cool thank you and as you broke it down i'm like that's probably the better book but then you did the next book and i'm like that's that's the better (laughs) book and and here's here's the i think the plus and minus is the same reason for me is that uh, born again can be adapted into a television show like you said it's like a psychological thriller that turns to an action movie it's drawn yeah. perfectly like that it's just so beautiful whereas yeah. craven's last hunt is something that you can only do in a comic book yeah it can't be made into a movie don't you'll ruin it you'll miss the point it can only be done in this format it's and it's a master class of how you use the format to you didn't have to super adult the the, the whole storyline but it's very yeah. severe very yeah 
and very very especially shocking for a spider-man yeah and like you said he's not in it a lot but so much of the imagery and the the dialogue is very psychological yeah and it it can't be i don't think you can translate that properly into a film without it seeming like what are they trying to do it wouldn't i don't think it would work for a mainstream audience i mean part of it is that spider-man is popcorn in films right it's it's event-driven stuff I think that's not to veer off too heavily, but basically that the MCU is almost like having every crossover one after the other, that there are no quiet moments. And that's what works in comics is the quiet moments. I think we may have picked up on that before, but that's, that's how it feels. And I think like, even though they've got the TV series stuff, it still doesn't work the same way. It's almost like an expanded event. Um, for the most part, I, um, but comics do, comics do it a very different way. And even though it is a crossover, it's a six-part crossover over three Spider-Man titles, Yeah, it's one story yeah. by the same creative team, and it happens very, very quickly. So it took place over two months. Um, and it's just... It's so shocking. I think it was shocking. Part of it as well as putting your head in, in the game there in terms of when it came out, what else had happened, in particularly in Spider-Man comics, but in Marvel across the board. Um... So both were similar time periods. They're quite close. I think I think Craven is after, but um, that's when they were putting a lot of their characters through hell in one form or another, or the, or they lose their costume, their identity, like Captain America did, or yeah. you know the Hulk went grey and yeah. Thor lost his 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 bones turned to jelly, all that kind of stuff. Um, yeah, it was that time, and but it didn't. We weren't expecting it it's almost like the big moment happened when he marries mary jane but then immediately after that it's like it goes to hell and it goes to like like his experience after craven shoots him is it's trippy as hell and it's so it's so dark anything like this was kind of still at a time when they were seen as kids comics yeah, yeah. especially spider-man more so than daredevil yeah yeah and that's why i feel it's such a wonderful balancing act because it's really dark themes you're dealing with life and death. You're dealing with the trauma of a wife being abandoned. It's mm. the whole book is darkened in the rain, pretty much. Yeah, yeah, it and, is. And and Craven is uh, he's got like this. He's creeping you out because it's almost like he's doing seances and like what's he uh-huh. up to, right? It's very esoteric or like cloak and dagger, and then vermin just a monster terrifying monster of like the lowest it's a vermin right like it, yeah. the, the name says it's it all rat man and then of course the the fate of craven it's not a yeah. kid's book it's not a kid's book but for some it's reason not a kid's book. if a kid was reading it you wouldn't be like hey give me that because it's done with such a it works yeah somehow I can't believe they produced it to this day, but they did kind of have to do an apology story really, um, with the Soul of the Hunter one shot because of the themes. They felt they glorified certain things, but I, I don't think they did. I don't think it's glor- I think it's the opposite of glorification. I think it was handled really well. I don't think you can help how some people are going to interpret things, right? Yeah. Like there's some, I think the majority of, the majority, majority of us who see violence don't want to go and commit it if no. they're to frighten you. Oh, yeah, 
I mean, I do, but I just don't have time. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we do get that sense of uh, revenge satisfaction when you watch something like a John John Wick. If, if you're into yeah. that sort of thing, where it's like, oh, yeah, go get them. Like, they deserve every last bullet. But it's like, I'm, I'm not doing that. I don't got the, like you said, I don't, like, come on. I don't got the time. I've got, I've got to, I was supposed to go to a party on Friday. I can't, I haven't got time to go to a club and shoot lots of gangsters yeah, in the face. Yeah, like, you know what? It's one of those strange things. Like, Hollywood justice, like you said, yeah. is what people mimic. Mm-hmm. It really comes from the Hollywood side of things. Oh, absolutely. You, you look at this is why when you look at most um, comic interpretations, I'm not calling them comic book movies for comic interpretations of comic stories. It's film. I mean, even even when you take the Sam Raimi Spider Man stuff, they die. They, everyone dies. And I know that the Green Goblin eventually does die at one point in the comics, but like Doctor Octopus dies in the second film. Yeah. Even though he's kind of redeemed in a way, but then like he's redeemed and then he still has to die because yeah. that's Hollywood justice. The bad guy must die. Yeah. Um, I think people who lose who lose it are more inspired by Hollywood justice than, than what people think that they're inspired by. Especially when people perceive it as real, like the way the actors get shouted at in the street, like they're the characters they're playing. Yeah. Um, people get confused. By it obviously helps if there's if there are other issues going on um and, and pushes that further but yeah but it's it, all it takes is that one one person to misinterpret a book that millions were like no yeah right mm-hmm. so but uh yeah i didn't think that it, that would i really liked how you broke that down i think they're both brilliant in that one is made for like it can be adapted in so many ways and appreciated and one it can only be done in the comic form and i think that's why i kind of tip the scale a little to craven yeah oh good oh that's interesting the magic of it yeah it's very much a comic story yeah okay should we do one more should we end on there one more yeah Yeah. one more okay because i got a lot I wanted we to be prepared. Another yeah, time another. That's too. what I mean. Yeah. I'm gonna. I could save them. Okay. That's great. Let's end on a lighter note. Harley Quinn or Deadpool? Because <laughs> they're essentially the same character. At this point, they've definitely become the same character. That's what they? I mean. At this point, um, they're used the same way in their universes. They're everywhere. Mm-hmm. They break the fourth wall. Mm-hmm. They cuss up a storm. They're in red and black. Red and black, like everything about them is. You like them, they'll kill, but they'll save the day. Uh, right? Yeah, it's a very and they both started as villains. Keep going, Dave. I just gotta close my door. That's right. Um, they both started as villains, which I mean, like, because yeah, Deadpool was a X Force villain. Obviously, Harley was a. A Batman villain. Though I only just read her first appearance in the comics the other day. Because um, she hadn't, she appeared in the cartoon first. Yeah. As many people know, I guess. But And her first yes, appearance she, in the comic was in that cartoon form, right? The the, the Batman? The um, Adventures of Batman? Oh, I don't one? know if she appeared in Batman Adventures first. Maybe. She might. Yeah, maybe That's she did. That's where she's first printed in a comic book. Yeah, I but think you're right. I've forgotten about that. Yeah. 
Um, but in the mainstream continuity, as it were, she first appeared in um, Batman Harley Quinn number one, which was a no man's land chapter. Oh, okay. So, but her story is basically her escaping from Arkham Asylum. She had a, a thing, an obsession with the Joker, and then she got basically got locked up for it while she was working there. She was she only just she was in like, like her first year, mm-hmm. and supposed to be doing like her coursework. Her thesis was based on the work she was doing, and then she gets out, and then the Joker's basically just she finds him again. He's just trying to get rid of her, and then by the end she's like, she's like, she seems to be more interested in Poison Ivy at one point. Yeah, and she gets souped up by Poison Ivy, so she ends up kind of with powers which I didn't realise. I thought she was just a crazy person in a costume with a hammer. Um, so I didn't really... That's, that happens very quickly. <laughs> I mean, it's over a, a probably a period of time in the, in the comics, and it's probably spread out over other chapters between other, other issues. But, yeah. Um, Deadpool obviously appeared first... You know, if you don't count his first appearance in Teen Titans... Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, I don't. I uh, I probably read more Deadpool comics. Going by the comics, I've probably read more Deadpool comics that I like, though there aren't actually as many as there probably should be. It's it's weird because I think like it's probably true of both of them. They're the kind of characters that kids kids would like because it seems very edgy, but the stuff feels like it's written for adults and that it's too edgy for kids. So like, who's reading this? Yeah, they're, you know? they're such strange character. They occupy such a strange space where kids do really gravitate towards them. Yeah. I don't know why, because every portrayal of them, the more and more popular they get, the more it's like, that is not for kids at all. Yeah, it's very odd. And and it's I, a... it was one of those things with the Dead, when Deadpool came out and people were so happy that it was so gratuitous. And I'm like, you know... I, they sell those toys for kids to buy and they play it on Lego Batman or like, like Marvel Lego characters. You know, it's like they, yeah. the kids should be able to go watch this movie. Like, Oh no, this is the way it should be. I'm like, yeah, maybe, but does it have to be like, can it still be Deadpool? I think, but I think, I, I don't think it can be. I think Deadpool has no, to be rated R. It has to. He, I mean, he's a killer. Yeah. Um, and actually the way that he does kill people, I only liked some of the first film. Um, the second film, I absolutely loved it. Yeah, and I think yeah, I really loved it. And I would have quite if, if literally if my wife had just said, Do "You know what? Can we we put it on again?" I would have sat there and watched it twice. I couldn't believe it. I was expecting not to like it because the first one was okay, but he keeps taking his mask off. Like, keep your mask on. That's the whole point. I don't want to see his face. He's meant to be so repulsive that you can't even look at him, and you're going, even with that makeup on, it's Ryan Reynolds. <laughs> yeah, you know. Yeah. So I do like the fact that that's what they say he does look like in the Cable and Deadpool run. Yeah, they do. Yeah, and that was years before he was ever cast. Isn't that weird? Yeah, they're like, you just look like a burnt up Ryan Reynolds. What are the chances of that? That's kind of cool. Yeah. Yeah, I, it is. I'd um, probably go Deadpool myself. Why not, Harley? Because I don't like the the modern portrayal of her that much. Is it the costume, the character, both? Yeah, costume, the 
character the way it is in the movies now. Like she, Margot Robbie is does a good job at at getting the voice and the look and the hair and the all of that. But I don't know. I I prefer her in the classic Harley Quinn. Red and black. The the one yeah. from the cartoon is the one I like. That voice is the right voice. It's perfect. The look is the right look. It, that's who she is. And actually, the way they, they she's the way she behaves in the cartoon. You know, as much as she could say, like you know, ordinary. We, we're focused on the comics, but she first appeared in the cartoon. So, as a basis for a character, she's. I think she's from what I've read in comparison, she's a stronger character in that cartoon than anything I've seen her in. And like her whole relationship with the Joker is really warped. Like it's it's almost um, Stockholm syndrome. Totally. Like totally. Yeah. You know? So it's it's really and like that again. That was for kids. <laughs> that was on Saturday morning TV. And he would throw her out of a window or something, and she'd go, he still loves me. I'm still going to go back to Mr. J. Yeah, yeah. There's so many rules and things that they couldn't do because of the time slot that they were in and the audience that they had. And when you find out how many handcuffs that are put on these cartoon makers, it's like, how did you manage to do it? Like, you couldn't show the do a a punch in the face or like a, a, guns could be there but it couldn't be shot like it was <sighs> no one, it's weird I stuff like that it. yeah and I'm like but they made it work and you didn't yeah. even realize it as a kid really no. well done and a character it's incredibly like, well done like a character like Harley like you said that's flushed out in those episodes you only see her every few episodes it's not every week that she was on the, the show right yeah that's true but it is it, it was so well done that it became part of the zeitgeist. I thought she'd have first appeared in the comics first because she's so well, well-rounded and yeah. so she feels established. Yeah. Well, that's a Paul but, Dini. Paul Dini jobby. And I think the, I think the, I mean, the story was in terms of the comic stuff, the story was better. I, have, I just haven't read a huge amount. I read the, um, rebirth suicide squad, which I actually kind of weirdly likes. Like I expected just to find it impossible, but I kind I kind of liked it as it went on. I th- I think it got better, and it ties in quite closely to the um, Justice League action comics. There's some bits where like Zod's in it and stuff, and I think it ties into what's going on in in the Rebirth era Superman. Okay, okay, comics. But you don't need to read both, but when you do, you kind of go. Huh? Yeah, that's cool. <laughs> that that noise. Um, but I don't, I spend the whole time going like, why are you here? Right. What can you do? And especially when they did the film. Yeah. And they went like, we need to build, put a team together uh, in case Superman ever loses it. Yeah. So here's a, uh, here's a woman with a hammer. Yeah. Or a baseball bat in that, isn't it? It's a baseball bat. Like, right. <laughs> yeah. What's she going to do? What's she going to do? Yeah. I mean, none of them are going to make it if he ever lost it, but she'd probably be the first to go. 100% but so, uh, yeah no it's true at least with Deadpool you know that there's a power set there's a whole something's been done he's been modified yeah I, I kind of like the way he was trying to be good for Siren which came out in the 1997 Joe Kelly series because they made him the star and because it was still comic codes approved stuff mm-hmm. they're like okay we have to find a way to make him not good but trying to be good and I think that really works. The joke, even though I think, like I reread the Joe Kelly issues of Dead of Deadpool, and they weren't quite as good as I remembered, but I still got a real soft spot 
for them. Never read I, I like the way they did that. Yeah, I'd like to. I, interesting. If if you read it, I'd be really interested to know what you what yeah, you think. I want to. I, I know that the the Joe Kelly run is is the one people usually say like give that one a shot. If you like that, then you'll like the character. So mm. I, I they're gonna re-release that. They, they must do. They it's it's to. money. That's money easy. for them. It's printing. Easy easy money. But they they released the Danny Way ones yes. in two volumes, and I found myself came. You got them? Yeah, but I don't know why. <laughs> Like officially, I'm not that interested, but in in Deadpool, but I got them, and then I even got the Deadpool and Co. book that goes with them. Okay. Because some of it interacts that with that, it. and also it does tie into Uncanny X Force at one point, um, subtly. Yeah. One story leads in. I think I think the the dead storyline leads into Final Sanction. I really. So if you're like reading Deadpool Final Sanction, you're book. going, "How did that? What's? It feels like something's happened that we've missed. It's because it happened in Deadpool." Mm, I see. Yeah, I like Deadpool in X Factor or X Force, Uncanny X Force. Yeah, it was great, great character. It, it shouldn't have worked, but it... no. Yeah, they he got it to work. That's yeah. a great run. That's so it. yeah, Deadpool. Yeah, I go with Deadpool as well. Well, this was uh, more insightful than I imagined it would be. I'm happy it turned out that way. <laughs> Thank you, Mister Dave. Thank you, everybody, Thank for you. listening. We I have a lot more of these take it or leave it for next time. They'll be okay. good. And I'll think of more as we go along. Um, thank you, everybody, for listening. Remember to rate and review the show. You can email us at caveofsolitude at outlook.com. Follow us on Instagram, Omniverse Comics Guide, Cave of Solitude. Uh, direct message us. We respond back. Well, Dave always responds. I sometimes <laughs> pop in. I don't know how you do it, but I'll say hello every now and then. But, uh, again, thank you, everyone, for listening. We will be back soon with more interviews, more top tens, more this or that, more you name it. Thank you, Dave. Just Talk more. soon. Just more. Cheers, Dave. See you later, buddy.